Folks, you know we always bring the best of the best for No Pixel Dark Podcast. And I was researching, and I was like, I found the right, right person in Washington, D.C., the DMV area, to come down to Baltimore, hang out, and talk with me. Talk all things about her business and what she has going on, because I'm going to tell you, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of what she's doing in the area. Next voice you hear will be Nikki Nellis. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest maker space, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welder and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Welcome to the No Picks of the Dark Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Dante. We have an amazing show for you today. I told you the next voice you hear will be Nikki Nellis, not my voice, but we're going to get her on right now. How are you doing today? I am so thrilled to be here with you today. I have learned so much about you and about this area of Baltimore in just the last 10 minutes. It's been such an incredible education. I can't wait to like get out of the studio and hear more about what's going on around here. I love it. I love that. I want people to see the sense of community that we have around here. Everybody really appreciates each other and they want to help each other out. And that's what's really important about Northeast Baltimore. I call it Disney World. Everybody's like, Disney World? I'm like, because you learn so much about each other around here. Well, I couldn't decide who was the mayor of this area because uh -oh. first I thought it was you, but then you introduced me to somebody else. And I was like, no, maybe he's the mayor. And then you introduced me to somebody else. I'm like, maybe, maybe they're all the mayor. Everybody just knows each other and is so excited to see each other. It really feels good. I, well, again, we appreciate you coming up here. Coming yeah. Come here, coming up from um, D.C. Coming over. Think, oh, I came come over. over. <laughs> you know, and we talk and just, like I said, I'm a big fan of what you've got going on. Thank you. And I, I'm appreciative. Every time I tell people, we can't get time back. And I'm so appreciative that you took your time out your day to come out, hang out at the studio, hang out in Northeast, 
and just just chit chat about what you have going on. So tell all of us a little bit about you. Let's get a little bit of background about you. Sure. So uh, I'm Nikki Nellis. I have been covering the DC food, wine, and hospitality scene for almost 20 years now. Um, I created my own little niche of business. I launched a website way before blogs, like before social media, before YouTube, before all of it. I launched a website called thelistareyouonit.com. It's an online e-zine. It covers everything happening in the DC metro area. Now, I definitely hit some of the things going on in Baltimore and Northern Virginia, uh, depending what comes my way. Uh, but it really started as information that I wanted. At that time, you know, the bigs like Washingtonian, even Baltimore Magazine, you know, Washington Post. Um, nobody was covering using email nor the internet yet as a way to communicate on in the moment what was happening. And I was realizing that all these food and wine events were happening and festivals were happening. And if they didn't make it into the weekly food roundup or the monthly roundup for the magazines, it just didn't happen. And not knowing things like that made me crazy. I also really wanted to know more about what was happening within the restaurant community. I wanted to know if a chef from across the street moved across town. I wanted to know that. Or like the story we heard today, if two people working in a, you know, a renowned restaurant were opening up a new restaurant to do their own thing, which I think is such an exciting story. I wanted to know that. And nobody was at that point in time, now people talk about it, but mm -hmm. 20 years ago, that was not part of the conversation. So that's how my site got developed, uh, the thelistareyouonit.com. It has a huge calendar, it has a buzz column, it has every restaurant opening, it has every restaurant coming soon. We do other like little feature columns, but that really, like talk about right place, right time, right? I It was before blogs, so I started getting invited to things mm. and I started meeting all these people, people I really admired, um, and started networking and making connections. Not my plan. I did not know that that's where this would take <laughs> me. And um, you know, before I knew it, I was getting opportunities to write for publications. I was uh, a regular feature on WTOP, the all-news radio station in uh, Washington. I was getting asked to do uh, television on a regular basis, like. I was getting asked to do a lot of things. And I was like, oh, I mean, I did not see this as part of what my plan was, uh, but I loved it. And I really, I leaned into it. Well, yeah, so I, I'm, I love hearing that story. Mm -hmm. I love it. Because we're going to get into that. We'll get into that in the second half. Because I really want to get to the nitty gritty on like how this started. You're before Google pretty much. I mean, <laughs> like think about it. I mean, you were like, I mean, so like you have done things and you were, I would say a pioneer. Mm. You laid the groundwork for a lot of things that are out here right now. So well, we always you. want to give people their flowers, as the young people say, mm -hmm. give them the credit would do. So where did you, let's talk a little bit about you. Where are you from originally? Are you, did you grow up, are you from the DMV area? I am not. So I grew up in New Jersey, okay. Northern Jersey, about 30 minutes outside of uh, New York City. I, um, I, I had a beautiful childhood. I had a family that loved to travel, loved to eat. We were all about food. You know, we were, I grew up in a household that while we were eating breakfast, we needed to decide what we were doing for lunch, you know, it. and we needed to get dinner. Like everything had to be set because, you know, what if, what if we didn't have plans? It was always a thing. So food was really important. I had a really good friend who loved to cook at a very early age. And I 
took her passion with, you know, we did it together. Like at 13, we were throwing dinner parties for our friends. We love to, we love to cook. So I really took my passion for knowing what's going on in the industry mm. and also cooking and sort of combine them. I think when I was in college, I went to school in Boston. I thought for about 20 minutes that I wanted to be a chef, mm. but um, I was very fortunate. I actually had internships uh, in college and I interned, coincidentally enough, at WTOP Radio. Interesting. Um, not from a food component, just news. And then I did something at NPR. Um, and, I and then my next internship was at a magazine. So I guess I always kind of thought maybe I would go that way. Um, but I mean, I really, I, I have no complaints. I had an idyllic life. Do you know what I mean? Not that we don't have ups and downs, but um, I was really um, blessed by the opportunities that I was afforded. Now, so what? think about those dinner parties that you had going mm -hmm. back. What was like, do you remember like the first meal you guys cooked for your friends? Like, do you remember that a little well, bit? Well, so this is my <laughs> girlfriend, Allie. And she and I, well, first of all, we would play restaurant all right. when we had to babysit our younger siblings. And I... I don't know, we would make an absolute <laughs> mess. But the very first time we had a dinner party for like couples, we did not go easy. We did not pick the easy recipes. So we did a croque chambeau cake, oh, wow. which is profiteroles wow. stuffed with um, pastry cream and then created into a, a you know, cone. And then uh, uh, you sort of spill, uh, well, spool, uh, caramelized sugar over it. Oh I mean, we had no idea what we were doing, none. Oh. But that was the kind of stuff we really loved to do. I mean, there was a time in my life where, I mean, I, I cooked so differently than how I cook now. I mean, I love how I cook now, but I mean, I used to pick the hardest recipe. And if <laughs> I saw a recipe that looked simple, I'd be like, eh, I mean, but now I'm like, I'll, I'll take that simple recipe. <laughs> Who was the cook in your family growing up? Who was the one that like everybody went to and they're like, I want to cook or... Is it, or was that a collective thing? Because when I grew up, it was my uncles. My uncles were like, could oh, cook were they really? Anything. Like they could, they could throw something together with like four or five ingredients. And what were they cooking? What were they doing? I mean, my uncle could make a, like a collard greens, a macaroni mm. and cheese. And this is at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and he's like, all right, just give me some flour. We'll fry some chicken up. We'll fry some catfish up. It would always, or bake some, um, you know, turkey wings. I mean, that's, I mean, he would make a meal. Turkey wings are enormous. Oh, but they're amazing. That's my, that's one of my favorite dishes. I totally get that. I love turkey wings uh -huh. with onions on it, slow cooked in the oven or Ooh. smoked. Oh my God, that and sounds I, delicious. I like, well, I always try to help. So I, I cook a little bit. Okay. So I learn from them. So I'll, this is my running joke. And I always tell people this. When I cook ribs, I make sure people who have, don't have teeth, who have gums, can nibble them off. That's how soft my ribs are. I always tell people that. I was like, now, like this weekend, we're coming up. It's a holiday. Right. I'm making like five, four or five racks. And I have a huge smoker. So that's my thing is making Ooh. people like, wow. So my neighbor's kids are like, Mr. Aaron, are you doing ribs this right. weekend? Ribs coming? And the funny thing is when I first moved to my neighborhood, it was all this smoke. And people were like, do we need to call the fire department? I'm like, oh, it's just my smoker. <laughs> so, so it's a little things like that growing up. But what about you? Like family-wise, was there anybody who was like... So wow. my grandmother cooked, my mother cooked, okay. and they're they're both great cooks. But and my mom's a terrific cook. But it wasn't like I didn't grow up with that. Okay. So I didn't grow up. I mean, with, I'm Jewish. I grew up with you know the high holidays and my right. grandmother cooking, you know, baking, regular making, 
uh, she was a great baker and, um, and, you know, baking all the, you know, dishes that we do on the high mm -hmm. holidays. But, but that was, that was just on the high holidays. Do you know what I mean? It was right. like Passover, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So we just, but that was it on, whereas my mom was a great cook and she loved to entertain, but it wasn't like she brought me into it. So I wasn't at the knee of anybody learning how to, you know, like it, it wasn't like my mom turned me on and my grandmother turned me on. Mm. I think my family as a collective loved food. You know, my, my dad could not go buy a bakery without going in and getting stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, we traipsed all over wherever we went, like in, we were right outside New York city. So, you know, we traipsed all over the city. We went into the four corners. It wasn't about fine dining. It was about eating. Right. So, um, I, you know, I have an expanded palate because of it. And I have such an appreciation for anybody who, you know, gets into the kitchen because a lot of people have fear when it comes to cooking, which it's, it's so not supposed to be that way. Like growing up with my family, it was serious. Like, I mean, my dad had seven brothers, you know, three sisters, and then we would have a big family dinner every Sunday. Wow. My aunt would make the homemade ice cream. Another uncle would make the collard greens, black eyed peas, cornbread. But not everybody can cook. It was like, if you could cook, you could cook. If you don't, they wouldn't let you touch. So and that's a smart role, I have to say. <laughs> well, the first time was nervous. I remember we lived in New York at this time, upstate, and my family was all in town. And my mom and dad were like, you make the eggs. So I remember my cousins walking by, you better not burn my eggs. And like, I'm like, I'm sweating because I'm like, but I remember those countless evenings of mm -hmm. watching my uncles and aunts cook. You know, right now, I, I when I go to somebody's house, I'm like, who made, who cooked that macaroni and cheese? If it's not your grandmother, I ain't messing with it. Oh my like all this new way of macaroni and cheese. Uh, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I like it. But there's certain people who can make macaroni and cheese I'll eat. Mm -hmm. Certain potato salad I will eat. Mm. certain ribs I'll eat. You know, I'll go out to the restaurant and try a different fried truffle cheese, but, but nothing like some down-home, like, mm -hmm. good stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I think about, I remember in Syracuse, went to college, I remember I got introduced to masa ball soup. So, mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, is this good? And she was like, well, we don't put too much. I was like, make it good. And I, and I love it. So my good friend Mara right. made amazing, her mom made the best masa, soup, masa ball soup I've ever had. Mm. And then she was like, come back for the holiday, brisket. And we had right. brisket. And I was like. That's not how you had brisket. No, I mean, trust I never me. had it like that. Right. So. so, you know, growing up, that's how we had brisket. Yeah. And I remember when I had my first smoked brisket. And I was like, oh, I mean, geez. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was probably like 10 or 11. But I was like, this is the same thing. Right. But, you know, but again, when you talk about a cooking education, mm -hmm. that's what you learn, right? You learn that food can be served so many, like same cuts of meat, your turkey wings, so many different things mm -hmm. can be served differently. So many cultures uh, and people re respond differently to different products and do different things with them, you know? And I, I love that. I love it. Now, got to get it going out of college. Like, what was your job? What's your first thing? You, like, I mean, it seemed like you were in the food industry, but you are a writer also, sounds like. So you were in the writing, you were doing that. You what, know, but what, when I graduated, I moved down to D.C., um, I really wasn't sure. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, you know, my son just graduated from college and he's like, yeah, thank you. But you know, it's tough that first year. You're not, you're like, I did all that. And you know, unless you're like, like 
unless you're going into a profession, like a streamline, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor or something like that. Figuring out your next steps, you know you have these passions, but making your passion your profession is not always going to happen. So I got, early on I got a, a, a really fabulous job. I worked for an association, it was a women's association, and I was one of their coordinators. So I did handle like all the food coordination and things like that. We traveled all around the world mm. with, pardon me, women uh, in government. And it was great. Um, and it was a great gig. And um, I really enjoyed it. And it wasn't until um, I married somebody who uh, already had three children. Mm -hmm. And then we added two more into the mix. But when I got pregnant with my, um, with my first physical child, um, that was really when I was like, I'm not, they didn't, it, I wasn't going back. They weren't, even though it was for women in government, they weren't for women who were pregnant in government mm. uh, at that time. Mm. So, um, you know, that first year, I, I actually baked out of my house for area restaurants. And I would just have the baby strapped to me, and I'd be making all this stuff. And this one friend of mine had a restaurant. He's like, why don't you bake this for me? And then he hooked me up with other restaurants. And before I knew it, I was cooking for three restaurants in my house, which was highly illegal. This is before incubators and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But it's actually what brought me to the list. So I, Roberta Dona, love him or hate him. I, he's, got good, he's got good things and he's got bad things. Yeah. But Roberta <laughs> Dona used to do these cooking classes in his laboratory. And I was doing all this stuff, you know, basically self-taught, trying to figure it out. And he did a baking class. Mm. And, he's, and I was like, I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to go do that. And um, I mean, it was not the kind of baking class I needed for what I was doing, mm. but I was hooked. Right. And then I was like, I want to do these whenever you have them. But at that time, they were not using email to educate people about their classes. Mm. They were still using mail. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes you get the newsletter and the class was over two weeks ago. Right. So I sat down with Chef and I said to him, because he would tell us about other classes. He'd be like, oh, Michelle Richard's going to be doing a class, or there's a wine dinner over here. He would tell us all this stuff. And I was like, why isn't there a place for this? Now, there was a woman who I was business partners with for about 30 seconds. She would send out emails to people with a couple of the things she found out. And I said to her, why don't we take this and blow it up? My husband has a marketing agency. Mm -hmm. This is before, you know, websites, you could just go on and right. make a website. So, um, you know, I was able to pay somebody on his staff to, to make a website for me. And he also was partners in one of the original eBlast systems. Wow. So, I mean, again, a lot of right play. I, grateful because I did not know at the time how hard those things were. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like when I did my second iteration of the list and I asked my web designer to do all these things, he was like, yeah, I mean, do you know how hard that is? And I was like, no, because my last web designer just said yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I learned a lot. Um, but, you know, what's most interesting about then and even now, it was all about shaking hands. So mm -hmm. I introduced myself to one of the PR people in town and I said, hey, I'm doing this. Because a lot of the people that I would tell about my business, and I'm sure you have dealt with this yourself, I had people be like, yeah, I mean, I don't really want that info or I don't feel like there's a real interest in that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, really? I'm like, but I'm interested in it. I think, I think you're wrong. So I was willing to to do what I thought was right for the business or the business that I wanted. And once I started shaking hands with people, I, there was so much generosity out there. Uh, 
I got introduced to all the different PR people. I shook hands. And I will tell you what Roberta Dona also did for me. So back then, this is really wild. <laughs> so the OG chefs of DC okay. used to do what's called a chef's club. They did it once a month. It was like at one o'clock in the morning. Wow. It was after service. They'd yeah. all meet at the house. They would all drink and smoke and right. do whatever. Right. <laughs> but they would invite you people like a wine producer, a coffee producer, mm. or somebody who's doing lamb, stuff like that, to meet everybody. So he invited me, and it was a gift. And I met Michelle, and I met Robert Wiedemeyer, and, and um, John Louis. I, I, met, I met all of them. Riz was there. There was one woman chef. So, I mean, it was such a different, different time. But I got to meet all these people. And Jeff Boobin said to me, he's like, yeah, what do you want? You want money? I was like, no, 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 I don't want money. What I want is information. Mm. I just want to know what you guys are doing because I was really green. I didn't know who handled what. I didn't know who's PR person. I mean, PR is totally different today. Like, I didn't know who was doing what. So they all put me in touch with their people. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, eventually I want to make money. Right. But right now I want the content. So through that, I was able to network even deeper. And um, that's really how it launched. I love it. Folks, we're going to talk about everything, about how she's launching it. She has an amazing, amazing, amazing website. Let me tell you, I went through it. It's a good it's a good website. Thank you. It's a very good website. Like, I mean, everything's on it. I learned a lot. Like, I'm going to come to D.C. a couple of events, you know, and I, I really appreciate it. We'll be right back after these. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help provide nutritious food for a family in need. Because eating healthy shouldn't be a luxury. It can help someone with housing challenges and be a catalyst for a new beginning. Because a safe space to call home is the foundation for building a better future. Give today. Spark something bigger. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carryout, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. And folks, we are back at the Notebook Star Dark podcast with me, Nikki Nellis. How are you? It's Terrific. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time again. I really mm -hmm. appreciate it. You know, I know I tell you, all right, time can't get back. So we really appreciate you hanging out in the studio for a little bit. So let's get into it. The list, are you on it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I love everything about it. So give us a little background. And this started in 1998 or 2002, around 2003? 2000, 2000, I started putting it together in 2003. Okay. It launched between 2003 and 2004. Um, and, you know, it just exploded very quickly. The Washington Post did an article on it, which was amazing. Uh, and then, like I said, these other 
these other opportunities popped up. So I started being a regular feature on WTOP radio. I started being regular on TV. And I'll be honest with you, as we talked about before, you know, I had these great opportunities, but I wasn't really sure what to do with them. <laughs> I mean, looking back now, I'm like, oh, I, oh, if I had that, op you know, with my education now of 20 years in the business. But now I have gr other great opportunities. So by being on WTOP, I got the opportunity to do a radio show on their sister station, and that's called Foodie and the Beast. Mm -hmm. And I do that with my husband. I am clearly the foodie, and he <laughs> is the beast. And that is both in real life and on our show. Our personas are um, very actual, factual. Uh, but uh, so that show's been on for 14 years. It's in studio, um, you know, pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, it was live in studio. Post pandemic, we record it the day uh, uh, the day before, but it's great. It's a food and wine hospitality show. It's variety. Somebody's always pouring drinks. Somebody's uh, you know bringing in food. Like there's just a lot going on. It's like seventy five percent hospitality. You know, drinks, wine, beer, food, etc. Chefs, travel, a little bit of luxury, sometimes a bit of fashion, definitely charity. So we're and we do talk food politics. So we really be are able to bring in the gamut to that show and it's great. And it's an hour and it's fast and it's furious and it's fun. And then when the line hotel opened, yep. I got the opportunity. So they had a studio in their lobby pre pandemic. It was great. I did a show called industry night mm -hmm. is a deeper dive. It really allowed me the ability to take some of the things that I do get pitched or some of the things that I'm interested in. And instead of just having 10 minutes on Foodie and the Beast or not having room for it on the list, um, to be able to bring people in and be like, yeah, let's, let's go down and get dirty about what we're talking about from, you know, sexual harassment in the restaurant industry, mm. um, racial diversity in the spirit industry. You know, we really, I mean, then I do simple and fun things, obviously, right. you know, um, but I'm really able to talk about things that are important to me. Um, and therefore, I think, important to people out there. So that's industry night. And so that is no longer at the line. The line can't figure out what to do with that space, which is unfortunate. So I do, it's not as sexy. I do it out of my bedroom as opposed to uh, a sexy studio. Um, but I still have great content and it now airs on, I mean, it's all on all podcast stations, but it airs on Real Fun DC, which is Tommy McFly's channel. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, partnership. Um, and then, you know, dude, there's social media. And I got to be honest, I, I do it. It's such a time suck. And I know people are like, oh, you should be doing more. You should be doing reels. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And, you know, yes, the answer is yes, I should. I'm just not, I mean, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and I put my stuff up on there. I don't love Facebook. Yeah, nobody does. Okay, good. My nobody son works does. for Facebook, so uh, <laughs> but um, but we do it. I have, first of all, I have an amazing team. I have between seven and ten different people working for me, wow. um, working with me. Let me amend that. And uh, they're so amazing. I mean, you you said great things about the site. I mean, I can't do it without. It's all currently all women without the women who are working for me, which is amazing. Um, and then you know, honestly. The thing that I least expected from everything that I'm doing now is my consulting arm. So like I host events. I know you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I host events. I judge events. I MC events. But now I got asked to be the spokesperson for events. Mm. So um, 
Fairfax City Restaurant Week is this week, and I am the spokesperson for it. And the Embassy Chef Challenge is coming up in October. I'm bopping all over town, getting filmed with um, ambassadors and uh, chefs, their chefs, and cooking with them. And um, God, man, it's... How do you have time? So I always Because people always ask me, they're like, how do you have time to do what you do? How, what about you? How do you... It's only 24 hours in a day. You, we probably sleep maybe eight hours of the day. Oh, yeah. I like my sleep. So, I mean, that, that breaks it down to not a lot of hours still. That's 12 hours of the day. Yes. How do I you mean, do it? I don't, I don't know. I just think when you love what you do, I love what I do. I love, like, you called me. I never met you. Right. You're like, hey, I do this podcast. I clicked on it. I was like, oh, my God, that looks amazing. You're like, come on out to Baltimore. Let me interview you. I was like, yeah. Okay. So I love what I do. I love being able, I love being able to use all my platforms to share other people's stories. Mm. And I feel, um, I, I'm, I'm, I hate the word blessed cause it's overused, but I, I'm grateful, blessed, whatever word you want to choose to explain how I feel about what I get to do. Um, and I said this earlier and I really do mean it. Not everybody gets to make their passion their profession. And not everybody knows what their passion is. I mean, I, my passion was always food and hospitality, but I didn't know where I fit in. And it wasn't until my thirties that I really launched the site and launched my life. And it, even still, it took me several years to navigate it and figure it out. And, you know, the highs and lows of economies and, um, and COVID and all that kind of stuff. I mean, everybody's businesses are always evolving and changing and adapting. And finding myself constantly doing that is always keeping me on my toes. But, you know, man, I think when you love it, you find the time. And, you know, sometimes, listen, does every T get crossed? Not always. <laughs> does every I get dotted? Chances are not always. But I'm really doing the best I can. I will tell you, you know, that's what, one thing that drew me to you. I was looking at what makes people unique and different? What makes the story amazing? What makes them separate from the cream of the crop? And I just like everything you've done, like just from the Lion Hotel, from you and your husband having your own show, you're on TV, you know, talking about what's going on restaurant week. And the thing you built, and I love that you built that. I love that it's taking some time, but you are doing it and you're walking the walk, talking the talk, and it shows with the camera. I'm listening to you right now and I'm like, and I'm normally not blown away in episode, like I'm sitting here like, Damn, like this is really. I wish you could teach a class on this because oh, that's this, so nice. Because you have really good guests. Which, I mean, you really bring in people who have incredible stories, and you you give them the platform to share them. But you also really educate your audience. Like I go back to, I thought Brooke Learman was amazing. Like yeah. that was a great interview. I mean, listen, she's a great interview, right. but you did an amazing job. And that was a live show, Union. I heard that. Yeah. So, I mean, we have another one coming out, actually, coming up very oh, soon. Cool. We did something in uh, Ocean City where they had a conferences of uh, Maryland Association of, of County. So, got one coming out of her and Westmore coming out also. Got some stuff coming out. Oh, my God. Westmore. I can't wait we to hear that one. We got some fun stuff coming out. We have some fun stuff. But, I mean, hey, you're, you're a rock star yourself. Oh, well, I mean, thank you. And I guess, did you ever see yourself at this point when you started 20 years ago doing this? Do you ever in your wildest magic just think, I'm going to be on TV? They're calling me and they're saying, hey, come on. We need your expertise. Like now you were that person. How does it feel? Like, did you ever see yourself doing this? I think we all have our, well, maybe not everybody. Mm -hmm. I think 
for me, I always had visions of some sort of notoriety, but I couldn't tell you how it was going to happen. You know, it's like when my daughter was like five, she's like, I want to be a pop star. And I was like, you can't sing. I mean, how are you <laughs> going to make that happen? Right. And so, you know, I, I wanted those things, but I didn't know what that looks like. So I wasn't intentional in figuring that part out. Mm. Um, so no, am I, I am always pleasantly surprised by all of it. I really I it. am, you know, I, I, I love it. And I, and it, it feels, it feels really good. How do you keep people in, like, like interested and then fascinated with what you got going on? How do you, how do you keep the magic? Cause I mean, it's, you're just going 20, 20 years strong. How do you do it? Because I'm sitting here like figuring out every day. What, what do you, what, what? that's an excellent question. I mean, staying relevant in a mm -hmm. world that is always changing and, um, and, you know, being um, accessible to people of all ages. Mm. And, you know, listen, especially when we're talking hospitality and food, I mean, there's so much going on right now. Um, not just people opening up restaurants or pop-ups or hotels or great travel or things like that, but, you know, there's real issues. You know, mm. there are supply shortages. Right. There's no staff. I don't know where everybody went, but they're gone. You know, there's there's service charges, like there's a lot of questions people have. So being able to be a part of that conversation and making everyone feel, whether you're 70 or you're 17, if you have an interest in dining out or, or, or food or grocery shopping, whatever it is, farmer's markets, if you have an interest in eating, this is of interest to you. So being accessible to everyone, I think is really key. Um, and you, I constantly am evolving. I'm looking at what's new. I'm always looking at what my next thing is um, so that I'm, I, I stay relevant. Because there's always that fear mm -hmm. of, you know, at some point, I mean, at some point, is my, does my voice still matter? So I'm hoping that because it's not just my voice, I'm sharing so many others that their voices matter more. I think your voice is here to stay for a while because I just looking at your look, looking at your website, looking at your social media, people who listen to this show, watch the show, I'm like, wow! Now I can keep up date on what's going on in D.C. Baltimore is only a 30, 45 minute ride away. I can hop in the car and go in the Mark train. I can go grab dinner, go see a play, or go see a musical, or go see a concert, or some events, and go and come right back. Mm -hmm. You know, we we're so close to each other that there's so many amazing events going on. And now I'm I'm in, I'm going to definitely push and say, hey, check out her website, mm -hmm. check out, and like, do you still do newsletters? Do you send them out to people? Every and, Friday the okay. list blasts out. So every Friday, it's not a letter. Okay. It's just a bunch of pictures. Okay. Um, so every Friday, the list blasts out to let you know that it's been completely updated. Now, 90% of the site is updated daily. Oh, wow. There's just one column, the buzz column with all the promotions and stuff like that. We update that once a week. But the coming soon list gets updated daily. The openings page gets updated daily. Um, all the like media and specialists, like all that gets updated. The calendar gets updated daily. Okay. So um, we really work very hard to keep the site as current as possible so that when you go on the calendar, you're like, what am I doing today? You can see all the different things. So you can be like, what's opened? You know, you can check it out or, oh, I thought this opened. You go to coming soon. You're like, oh, I guess not. So um, that's just sort of how it works. Yeah, I, I again, I, I know we're going to wrap it up, but I really think that 
I've learned a lot from you. I'm actually doing more DC people. I'm actually doing the president of DC Destination DC coming up. Oh, I'll actually be in DC interviewing him coming up. Cool. So again, just I want my audience to hey travel. Willing to go? Why not travel? We're mm-hmm. 40 minutes away. Why not go DC for a day? Excellent. You know, I always have friends asking when they come in town of Baltimore. Hey, let's go to DC, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I've all I find myself because I'm used to going to other places, like my same old, same old spots. Mm. But I want to learn a little bit more. I want to go to our beer garden. I want to go somewhere where you can sit outside and have a drink and relax and have a good appetizer, some grilled calamari, some nice oysters, something like that. Like, you know, I, I used to like going to Old Abbott's, going there, getting oysters. Okay, I'm not sending you to Old Abbott's. <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> nothing wrong. Day, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it, but, you know, not dissimilar from Baltimore. I know, you know, we talked about right. this off air. You know, people love to pit D.C. and Baltimore against each other, which is so ridiculous, right. doesn't even make it sense. Baltimore is a incredible, growing city that has an incredible culture, has amazing cuisine mm-hmm. and and theater. Yes. And there's so much going on here. Um, but if you come to D.C. in the same vein, like if you look down um, at Harbor East, right, mm-hmm. like the use of the waterway that was never used before. Right. I mean, in D.C., the wharf, it's wharf. insane. You know, where Nat Stadium is and into Navy Yard. I mean, all of that, Navy Yard, Buzzard Point, the wharf, and then eventually Georgetown. And it's just going to be one walkway. It's all going to blend together. Somebody has – I love people – with not only vision, but aesthetic vision. Mm. So it's not just going to be like a walkway. It's just going to be a gorgeous outdoor space with landscaping and hardscaping. And it's keep like now when you're at the wharf, you're like, wow. I love it. Beautiful. Or like Union Market, you know, that area. So I'll just, I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, 12 years ago when Jody McLean and Scott, I can't think of her business partner's name, of Eden's Real Estate, when they were going to launch Union Market, they basically got a group of people together. I don't know why I was there, but I was <laughs> thrilled to be there. Um, and they laid out their pitch. And they're like, we're going to build this Union Market. It's going to be this food hall. You've never seen anything like it. And we're going to show the rest of the world that if you build it, they will come. They built Union Market. They did insane amount of programming. Everybody came. It's always crowded. And I saw their original designs. And now when I go down there, I'm always like, you look at this. I mean, 12 years later, there's hotels. There's a Trader Joe's. There's all mm-hmm. these fabulous residences. They said it would be the meatpacking district for D.C., and it is. Yeah, it is. That's where my friends, when we go to D.C., they always get meat from there. They always get the meats from Union Market all the time. Oh, sure. All the time. Yeah, so that's, where we, that's where they go, get best ground beef stuff like that so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something to you so i always do a speed round it's always mm-hmm. fun for everybody it's always i love fun. it bring it on all right since you're in the food industry okay brunch or dinner i love making brunch but i'd rather go out for dinner Ooh. okay so what is your go-to dish for brunch and dinner then oh my god dinner honestly le dip le diplomat uh, they do um, lobster frites. Oh, my goodness. Sick. It's so good. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm drooling just thinking about I'm it. Thinking about so brunch, I have all these fabulous menus. Okay. Um, but I do um, these potato-bottomed uh, egg quiches mm. so it or frittata. So it's got potatoes on the bottom, like a potato pancake, and then you do the eggs on top. Mm. It literally slides out of the pan, oh. and you cut it. It's gorgeous. And everybody's like, whoo, because you can top it with you know, meats, or you can add vegetables. Mm. You can just make 16 different kinds. It's I, great. I love it. I love it. All right. Snowball or ice cream? 
Yeah, I snowball. I mean, is that a Baltimore thing? Yeah, snowball's a Baltimore thing. Okay. It's a Baltimore. Next time you come in town, we're I'm gonna going, have to try a snowball. Try a snowball. It's a Baltimore thing. Okay. It, yeah. It's like a snowball. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, ice cream. I'm All gonna right. have to go that's, with ice cream. That's fun. <laughs> All right. So, crabs or crab cakes? So I. I'm going to say crabs, okay. but I also love crab cakes. <laughs> I like good crab cakes. Okay. Apparently, there are really good crab cakes down the street. Right. Coco's. Yes. I'm going to have to go do that next you're time. Gonna to, you're okay. going to have to check it out. Favorite concert you've ever gone to? All right. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. Okay. Zone. Madonna. Okay. Okay. No, nothing's wrong with that. Yeah. Old Madonna. Well, okay. like Madonna from like 2010 and beyond. Not Madonna today because girls lost her mind. But <laughs> I I was a Madonna wannabe. So if I were to hop in your car right now, what would become? What would come on the radio or CD player? What would, what would be the first song that would hop on? What would be the first song? <laughs> I don't. You know, I listen. I if I turned on my radio, it'd probably be on like hits today okay. so like i listen to i listen to everything i love except country okay i don't dig the country <laughs> um so i really do i listen to i like stuff from the 80s and 90s and the aughts and i love all the new music out today like lizzo's new stuff is amazing and beyonce's new album is great and i mean i'm really open to all music i i love i, I just like listening to music nice what is the best advice you've ever received money doesn't care who spends it Mm. We're gonna leave it on that note. I like that. I like that. Where can we find you on social media, tags, whatever? Where can we find you so they can look you up at this episode? Absolutely. Um, it's at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Folks, thank you, Miss Nikki Ellis, for coming down. Up I'm to so Baltimore. honored. Thank this you. This has been a blessing. I'm gonna say blessing because okay. I, I, I enjoy these interviews and I just learn a lot, and I hope our audience learns a lot. Please check her out when you go to DC. You know where to find me at nopixelordark.com, P-I-X. And you can find me all my handles through there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love, peace, we're out. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances. Whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation or consulting, nonprofit or small business, Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.